This is Cybersound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to Cybersound. I'm your host, Jason Pufall, and as always, joined by Steve Mareska and Matt Fasaro. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, how are uh, you? And we're fortunate today to be joined by uh, Lynn Friedman, who's the chair of the Data Privacy and Cybersecurity team at Robinson Cole. Uh, Lynn, thanks for joining. My pleasure. So today we're going to talk a little bit. We've, we've talked incident response a variety of times over the last, say, six months. Uh, and I think we tend to come at it from the idea of, you know, hey, you've had an incident and let's talk containment and restoration and all the, you know, all the things that come along with that. Um, I, feel, I feel a little bit optimistic recently because we've had a lot of requests for folks who are interested in doing, you know, tabletop, right? So actually looking a little bit at that preparation side of incident response. So uh, Lynn, you know, we've worked together in, in, in a variety of ways over the last few years. Um, done a couple of tabletops recently. I think we're looking to do a little bit more. Uh, you want to give an overview on, on, you know, at a high level really today, what what is a tabletop? And we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah, sure. So a tabletop is really supposed to be designed to take companies uh, through the, a process of an, an incident and really show them that they're flat footed, really <laughs> um, show them that they're unprepared that for the very chaotic situation of an incident. And they're very valuable because you can walk through all the processes that you would walk through in a, re- in a real incident in a controlled setting, even though it's very scary. It's really designed to test your incident response plan, and it, it helps companies look at their incident response plan, see if it's practical and usable, and then, and then use it as they're going through and responding to an incident that, that I present or that we present that they don't know about. And it's very effective in a controlled setting, but still very scary. So you mentioned it, having an incident response plan. I think you know, maybe twice when you when you introduced this. Uh, have you done a tabletop for somebody who doesn't have an incident response plan, or do you feel that's a real precursor before you even consider going down that path? So I think that if a company is thinking about a tabletop exercise, they're a little more advanced, and usually they have an incident response plan. What I will say is. It, I believe it's it's very important for you to have an incident response plan to follow during the the tabletop because you're really testing your response and uh, it's much more organized and effective if you have a plan in place. So I would say yes, you really do need to have a plan and and then once you have your plan, test it through a through a tabletop exercise. So what are the overall preparatory steps beside incident response plan uh, in terms of setting up a tabletop organizationally? Yeah, so um, the incident response plan is obviously key and understanding and designating your incident response team, who is going to be on that team that will go through that incident and follow that incident response plan so that you know who the stakeholders are, People understand their roles in the process. These are all ways that you can prepare for a tabletop exercise. The best thing is when companies try to, you know, get me to tell them what the tabletop 
scenario is ahead of time. And I go, nope, you're not getting that because that's the whole point. It's going to be a surprise. So because a real incident is a surprise, you can't really prepare for it. You can prepare by having your plan and your team members in in place to respond. Yeah, and well, and you go through different scenarios, very different scenarios that are real life scenarios, so that they can see how these things can happen, how easy it happens, and then how they respond to them. How long do they typically run? Uh, should they be prepared for a few hours, a whole day, multiple days? I think um, the most. I think to start, and and it's really a phased approach. I think the first one should be shorter so that you can really talk about the plan, talk about the team, talk about responsibilities, and then maybe go through one scenario. So I would say a couple of hours in many, the next one, I think you don't have all that preparatory work. So you can go to two or three scenarios. So usually I will start with a couple of hours and then we can go to a three hour session. If you really want to do a, a deep dive with getting forensics in and, and doing a, an actual uh, exercise that's longer, that would be a full day. But, but to start, I think to get the flavor of, of what a tabletop is a couple of hours is a good way to start. The we've had a couple of discussions where I think we, we tend to work often at the IT space, right? CIOs and, and IT folks. Um, we've definitely had requests of people saying we only want the IT people involved. And I think, you know, your counsel has generally been, you, you want, you want legal, you want HR, you want representation across the, the organization. Do you ever do any that are, that are isolated just to IT staff or do you think that's too limiting? Well, I think it depends on the goal of the organization. I, I think any tabletop you do is better than no tabletop. That's for sure. That's fair. So, you know, and it, there are there I've been in situations where they want it to be much more technical and they start with the IT staff and then and then and then bring in others. I think ultimately you you really, first of all, want to have all your tabletop exercises under the cloak of attorney client privilege and work product. So it's important that you have legal involved because you want to make sure that it's protected because you're talking about your vulnerabilities. And then secondly, I think you really, in a, in a true incident, there are so many moving parts that you need a lot of people involved and companies don't always understand how important different parts of the organization are to instant response. Communications is key. If your website is down or you, your customers can't get access to their data, well, all of a sudden your help desk is getting a lot of calls. So you need communications, you need executive leadership to be involved. You, you, you need the HR folks involved in the event that there's employee data that's involved. So I think, I think running through a bunch of scenarios is, is great because you can see all the different people that might be involved in a real scenario. You know, going back to the legal representation aspect of it, I, I'd really like to hear for the benefit of our listeners, what risk there is in not having that participation, because we've spoken about it in the past privately, but I think it's worthy to share it. Sure. So 
anytime a company is, is really talking about vulnerabilities, talking about paths that they would take in scenarios and in, in security incidents, talking about maybe some weaknesses in their plans and in their procedures, you, you want to protect that in the event that um, down the road, there's an incident and a company gets sued because all of the information, you know, discovery and litigation can be very, very broad. And, and part of that could encompass your preparation for a security incident. What policies and procedures did you have in place? Did you test? Did you um, ha- did you audit? Were there were there findings? All of these things ultimately may be discoverable to uh, in litigation. And usually, if you're upfront and honest about your and transparent about your weaknesses. If that's in documentation, it can be used against you in, you know, in the future if you're in litigation. So at least having the protection or trying to have the protection, it doesn't always work, but trying to have the protection of um, attorney-client privilege, work product doctrines so that your legal counsel is involved and legal counsel is is um, directing the tabletop is very important for trying or doing your best to to protect the the entire conversation and and the documentation around that that um, tabletop exercise. So even even the subsequent follow up documentation, I assume, right? The report that comes out of it, or or whatever that format looks like. Yeah. So if legal legal counsel. Um, when I do tabletops, I am the one that that you know provides the the follow up to the company for um, you know t- to make sure that that it's it's confidential. So you had made a reference, I think, at the beginning that you you run a tabletop and you know, generally everybody struggles through them. Um, do you, is it because of the way that they're constructed? Do you find that you know an organization that's gone through an incident generally is better prepared? Is you know, it, give me give me a sense of you. Know, have you had one that you feel like wow, they really they knocked it out of the park, and we just don't need to think about it? So there have been a couple that I think they did very well. I would say that most companies in their first one learn a whole lot. Many companies now have a cadence of doing several over a period of time, three a year, whatever, and you do different scenarios. I think that the more you do, the better you get. It's just like practice for a football game. The more you practice, the better you're going to get at your plays. And this is all about plays. So I would say that, that I've never come out of a tabletop where there weren't some takeaways and some lessons learned and some things to do. What I will say is oftentimes it's hard for a company to, to keep the takeaways as top priority. And that's why having a cadence of doing several a year, you'll find that when you're doing the second one, you're going back to see what the takeaways were from the first and that people still have some things on their to-do list. So a cadence is a really good way to, to get better. So, uh, so actually it's a really interesting point because we see 
during an actual incident, right, there's always an interest in making security improvements for a period of time, three months, maybe six months. Uh, if you're doing your tabletops regularly, at least that keeps information security or data security in the forefront. For sure. And, you know, what you find is everybody has a day job and then this is on top of right. that. And, and so it's easy for it to, to go down on the priority pile. So if you're doing the tabletops, your data security is going to be a priority. But also you're, if you have a cadence and do several a year, you can actually tick off those to-dos because the month before when you're planning <laughs> the next one, people right. are going, whoops, I didn't do that. Yeah, hold them accountable. Steve. Right. I don't know about you, Lynn, but I, I tend to find that or feel that many incident response plans, business continuity plans, disaster recovery plans are all aspirational, right? Um, and, and too long. Right. And way too long. Um, you know, there's the old adage, you know, no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. And I think that's essentially the, the main thing to underscore. They're living documents. They need to be treated like living documents. Tabletops avoid the, you know, liability and the uh, crisis, feeling of crisis that an actual incident provides, but it gets you the same outcome. And you need to be able to take them off the shelf and use them at the time. I mean, we just looked at one that had to be 40 pages long and yeah. Yeah, I, I was lost after page two. Right. It's unusable. So when you're in the middle of a crisis, which is what a security incident, say you're in the middle of a ransomware attack, which we're going to see a whole lot more of because of the, the conflict in Russia and Ukraine. When you're in the middle of that, you're not looking at a 40 or 60 page incident response plan. Right. There's no right. way you need to know what are we doing? You've got to have a cheat sheet. You've got to know who to call. You've got to know who's on your plan. And oh, by the way, if you have a ransomware attack and you can't get into your contacts, do you have your incident response team on paper somewhere with their with their cell phone numbers? I mean, that's that's like how nitty gritty you have to get when you're in the middle of a chaotic situation and you can't have access to any of your data. You need something that's workable. Well, and it, it's so valuable. You mentioned communications and I don't want to go down the path of you know all the right things you should do necessarily during an incident, but certainly on our side, every time we're in the middle of an incident, it's 50% communications and 50% yeah. technical, right? I mean, it's all about managing the expectations internally, managing customer expectations externally. It, it's complicated. And and most companies haven't actually walked through the process that they would take if if their customers couldn't get access to their data, if they couldn't contact their customers, if they couldn't do business, they actually haven't gone through the the process of what they would do and who would be responsible for that. And that's so important because when it really does happen, then you already know that you already know how you're going to react. And some certainly have even, with good intentions, taken steps to, uh, they believe, make their lives a little easier, digitizing records, avoiding paper-based processes, and so forth. And it, sometimes you need to fall back on that. But if they're gone, there's no opportunity. Right. Or if you're not in the office, right? If you haven't taken them home, there's a dozen ways that can that can be a problem. Yeah. My, my tip today for for all your listeners is... If you have an incident response team, get all their private emails and all their private cell phone numbers and put it on a piece of paper and take it home. So I, I, that feels like a, a, a good way to wrap. 
Uh, I mean, that, that's a useful takeaway. And, and, and frankly, I like the, I, the, the tip that you made, which was simply just do a tabletop. It doesn't have to be wildly yeah. complicated. You don't have to make it more than it is. Walk through, the, walk through an incident, get a sense of how you might handle it, and then get more formal as you go on. So, um, yeah, something, something's better than nothing. That is for sure. Fair enough. Uh, so I think on that note, that that's, that's wise advice, advice right there. Uh, Lynn, thanks for joining. Uh, it's been, it's been a pleasure to have you. I really appreciate the insight. Uh, hopefully as always, you know, people have a, took something away from this, right. Uh, have an opportunity to, to learn a little bit and can move forward. Uh, so Lynn, thank you. Um, Anybody who wants to talk more about tabletops, feel free to reach out to us uh, at LinkedIn, Vancord. Uh, we're happy to have a conversation. We're happy to help you however we can. Uh, Lynn's obviously a great resource, uh, so maybe we can uh, have a conversation in the future. Then thanks. Thank you. Stay vigilant. Stay resilient. This has been Cyber Sound. <laughs>